Hello, and welcome back to The Interior Collective, a podcast for the business of beautiful living. I'm your host, Anastasia Casey, and I cannot believe we are already dropping season three. What began as a passion project has exploded into a massive online community that extends to every continent. We are so grateful you are here and are so excited to bring you more in-depth, actionable, specific details about the inside of home. Today, we are back with a fan favorite, Jake Arnold, just in time for the drop of his first book, Redefining Comfort. On the tale of his global cover story with Arc Digest, Jake is breaking down his design process, working with the likes of John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, how his first-of-a-kind cover hit all seven international Arc Digest markets, and how you can translate his celebrity status to your own interior design firm. Hello, Jake Arnold, and welcome back to the show. I cannot believe I get to you for a second time. Oh my God, thank you for having me. I thought I would never be asked back. (laughs) (laughs) No, still one of my favorite episodes to date. So if you missed the first one, it's in the show notes and you can click back and listen. It will change your life. But How How long ago did we do that? It was like 18 months ago. Oh my God. Isn't that so wild? Yeah, that is crazy. And like we've done two design camps together and that's like two years. And I feel like it's been the most like pinnacle two years. Although I say that and the next time I talk to you, you're going to be like next level or next (laughs) level level. (laughs) But it's just been such an incredible time to feel like I like got in your door to like start to chat about these things and get into your incredibly beautiful brain. No, I mean, it's always been so fun. I've loved talking to you and doing the design camps. It's been so much fun and just like a completely new experience for me on the other side of things. So I've loved it. It's been so fun. I still to this day get DMs and get emails from people saying how when they think about your keynote, like hair stand up on the back of their neck. And I just think we'll cover so much in today's show, but like there's something about being in that private room at design camp where we can get just a little thing happen that you don't know about guys. Very crazy. (laughs) So wild. Yeah. Well, let's get to your big news because something so major came out last week. Your project for Chrissy Teigen and John Legend is on the cover of all seven international Arc Digest covers. It is the first time Arc Digest has shared the same project across all publications. What is this (laughs) moment to you? (laughs) I mean, honestly, I don't know what this moment is. It's something that is so overwhelming, but in the best way. And I'm just, no, it's a, it's a huge pinch me moment and a moment to just take it all in and realize that all of the hard work has really come to fruition. And just to, to not only have it on the cover of Architectural Digest with an amazing client who I love and had an amazing experience with, but to have it internationally recognized and appreciated it's so good. I mean, it just happened. So we're st- I haven't even still haven't even got the actual hard copies of the international ones. That's how new it is. Oh my gosh. So it's all happening. But it's so exciting. It's so rewarding to have an opportunity like that with people that you respect and for a publication that you respect. And it's just a, it's a real big milestone that I'm taking in. Well, congratulations. It's so amazing. The project is spectacular. My personal favorite moment is actually on the 80 
YouTube channel, the video walkthrough, and it's so sweet when their kid goes, Jake did a good oh job. Yeah. We, were was, di- we were dying at that. And I honestly can't believe they got it on film because I, when it happened, I didn't realize they were still felt like they had the voice recording still. And we were all dying. A, because what child knows even what I'm doing? Like, I didn't even realize he was aware of the concept that like someone is designing this space. And it was just like stuff like that is what I live for. It's just like the fun joy of the end result of all the blood, sweat and tears. And like, that's the best. So funny. Well, those kid rooms are just so freaking fun. The whole space. But I was like, I'll just live in the kids room. It's fine. (laughs) I know. I am curious, (laughs) like, how did you make that happen the first time to have all covers unanimously? Like, how did that convo evolve from, hey, we want to put you on the cover to, hey, we want you to go on the global covers? So, I mean, well, the conversation started generally that we were going to do a cover and the team Architectural Digest, Amy Astley, Alison Levasseur, and Mayor Russ, and everyone, was, it was this constant conversation that eventually they kind of presented to me. And it was a huge deal. Like, I thought they were joking. I was like, what do you mean you've never done a global cover since Architectural Digest was born? Like, that's never happened. And so it was this back and forth for a while and then everything got confirmed. And I didn't even realize that we were going to do different covers per magazine. And that was the cool part that every country gave its own spin, (laughs) given the market, which was really fun to see. So it was a back and forth conversation. And because it was new for them too, I was so excited that they were so excited about it. And it was just special. It was just the day even doing the shoot. It was so memorable and exciting to just have that energy in the room and just working on something that was so meaningful and such a great like couple to do it with of people that I've genuinely had the best time during the process. And for them to have that moment too is so exciting. So forever grateful, honestly. Was this your first project with Chrissy and John? So this is my second project. The first project, we did an office space together for both Chrissy's cooking and also for John, we did a music studio, a recording studio. So we'd worked together at the beginning and that was our first like work relationship to really test the water, see how they, what they love and what they work. And it was a perfect way to kind of foray into doing a full house renovation. So it was great. It was try before you buy for everyone. So it was good. So it was great. And it's, I mean, we first met, I think, in 2020, literally the day before we went into lockdown is when we had our first Zoom. We had a Zoom because we weren't meeting in person. So we had a Zoom and then we started working on that office. And then during that time, we ended up going to see houses and they bought the house and then we started knocking things down the next day. Yeah, I bet. I bet they were in like crunch mode. Of yeah, like, yeah. hey, we're going into lockdown. Let's get this done. Yeah. So how did you approach the creative process when working with such creative people? I mean, they're such geniuses in their own creative rights. Was that different than a typical client? Were they more hands-off? What did that look like? I think what's so nice about working with creatives, especially in the entertainment, is that they really understand like that everything has a process, that there's like a beginning, middle, and an end. And I think being on the same page of like, it's the same way of like writing music, like you've got that whole through line and it's the same with designing a house. So there was an understanding and respect level 
I think, from a creative to another creative. And what was so great is that the whole process is they really trusted me to bring their kind of direction and what they wanted as a vision, but bring it to fruition through my understanding of what they want through my lens. And I think it was interesting because the house architecturally is a lot more contemporary than most of the projects that I've worked on before. So it was a, it was a really great challenge to work on something that architecturally was very different to what I normally do, but also have the space really be a representation of who they are as people and have it feel very custom to their taste was really what I loved about the project is I was able to like put on different hats and kind of take myself outside of my comfort zone. But it was, it's all trust. It's like, I think that it was successful because there was a trust there and that I think you can't really, any designer will tell you that any project you work on, you don't, it's like dating. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into, but you have to just put your best foot forward and hope that there's a mutual respect and patience. And I think when you have that, it's like the key to success. One of my favorite aspects of this project, I mean, there was a lot. I really loved how contemporary it was. Honestly, there are so many elements that I felt were like inspired by Bridget. And I just talked to Bridget yesterday and like that contemporary architecture, but then like you put such a Jake spin on that contemporary architecture. It feels so layered and so warm and so inviting while still feeling like really hip and cool, just out of what your normal projects usually feel like. But what I thought was really amazing about it is like, it's such a family home, but you look at it and you're like, there's no way that a family lives here. And I got such a better understanding watching the video tour of it. Talk to me about how you approach knowing that they live in that house, they live hard in that house with little kids and made it still feel as glamorous and elevated as it turned out. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's not mutually exclusive to have something be livable and family friendly and also impactful from a design perspective. So I think everything for me was, is all about silhouettes and creating these moments in such an open plan, big space that you want all these areas to have their own individual independent point of view, but also have to flow all the way across the house and be able to take, like they use that house, they live in it. So it's, so we really were very cognizant about like fabric choices, the materials, but also everything was sculptural. So the intent was that everything we chose stood on its own. Whereas normally on a house that I would work on, we would really have those high and low moments of pieces that were more maybe sculptural and then other things that were very simplistic. But every piece in this house has is its own almost sculpture and moment and has almost like an artisanal form to it because it's such an open plan space. That was really the the goal there is for everything to stand on its own, but also be cohesive. And they jump on every sofa, every table, but it works. And I think that that's what makes a beautiful house is that people live in it and they're not scared to run around and have fun. What would you say are your favorite elements in that project? I def, I mean, I love the bedroom the primary bedroom I love. It's just so cozy and comfortable and just very like rich and inviting. But I also love the bar. Like the bar to me is just like when you're there, because I've been there for like a party before and it's just like the lights are low, the drinks are flowing, there's music. It's just such a vibe in there and it feels so them. That's what I love about this house is that when I'm in it, 
it it's all them. It's not me. Like I let them have this house and it's perfect for them. And I just love that it really, I was able to put on like their point of view through my lens. And I, I think the bar is the perfect, the perfect space that kind of illustrates it. It's just fun and playful. Well, I feel like one of your very many magical superpowers is the fact that you are able to embody the client so well. To designers listening, can you talk us through what conversations, questionnaires, homework you have a client do to get to the point where you do know them so well that you can evoke their embodiment in their home? Well, I th- yeah, I think it's a process. I think at the beginning of first meeting a client, I really look at all of the, what I've, to be honest, so what I've been really fortunate about is a lot of the people I work with are public people. So I see, but then what's interesting is when you get to know them, there's a whole different side of how they want to live. So really picking up on someone's personality and really I do exercises of like, okay, here's 10 images. What point to the things that you love and point to the things that you hate. And they don't even have to be that specific. They could just say no to this whole room and yes to this room, but they might not like anything individually, but the feeling. And so it's basically like playing Clue, where it's like, here's all these spaces, love this, hate this. And then I kind of decipher around that and then come up with a a narrative for the house. And so that I'll start, even before I've done the schematic design, I'll come up with just a full narrative and like a story and almost like a playbook for what this house is going to be like and how people are going to live in it and how they're going to use the spaces. And then when you paint that picture of experience for a client, if it fits into that narrative, great, because all the specific choices are all leading to that North Star. And so I like to have that focal along the whole way of like, well, just remember, I know you're not into this, but it's going to allow us to create this full overarching kind of direction that I think sometimes people get too in the weeds of picking things versus like understanding the overall direction. So it's a process of elimination at the beginning. And then it's also, it's a people's job. I think every designer will tell you no matter how creative someone is, you also have to be a good listener and just be observant. Do you typically at this discovery phase, are these always meetings held in person? Now, I know that you guys were getting ready to go into lockdown, so maybe that was different, but typically would this be in person? Are you physically showing them images or is it a digital presentation? Yeah, I'll do this in person. And then I'll also have like a palette of maybe some woods and stones and fabrics, different materials, because then I can see like, this is someone who hates veiny marble. This is someone that loves nubby texture. Like I just need the tiny little inklings of like a little clue of what they're into. And that's it. And I think that people love and are very receptive to it because it's tactile. And it's very general and you then you can build someone's home. And even if it's not specific items or like furniture, lighting materials, like you get a sense of what people like. I have some people who hate velvet and some people who hate linen. So it's like, once you know that, I know the type of person and the type of living, it's how people dress. It's all the same thing, really. For sure. For those inspiration images, are you always pulling from your own work or are you good to pull from other things? Always others. I never pull from mine because I always like to start fresh. 
and not really look as a reference point because they already have come to me because they've seen what we've done. So every time I take on a new project, I want to be challenged and push the needle and evolve. So I really try not to like focus on what has already been done because then I think people get too comfortable and it's not a fun, it's fun for me to do something new. For sure. I have a super technical question and I'm always curious when it comes to presentation day and you are, even if it's like this initial vibe check presentation Mm. day, uh, do you have like special boards that you put everything on? Is it in like a custom Jake Arnold tray? Are you just spreading it out on the table? What does the actual presentation look like to help people get closer to a yes faster? So I think it's a mix. Firstly, it's all, I, every single thing that comes out of the studio, no matter what it is, whether it's the quickest correspondence or not, is always on like a branded, like Jake Arnold full package. So you understand that every single thing that we're doing, there is like a full loop on the whole process. And so I'll take, I'll create a, a, a little package that I print. I have it bound, have it laminated. People would like to love at the end of a meeting to take something with them. That's what I've learned. And then we have a beautiful wood tray with all of our samples labeled. And then I also print everything out individually, not just in this bound presentation so that we can move things and play around and grab. Like I think allowing those types of meetings to be as tactile as possible is what's really successful. So even sometimes before, at some phase before we start going into like really selecting, especially like on the FF&E phase, I'll maybe print out like 10 sofas and just have them in little like square pieces and play around with them with different fabrics and just get a sense. But again, it depends on the client. If someone can visualize, you can do half the work and half the time and it's a conversation. And then someone who needs the full gamut, it's a full developed presentation that's really spelling it out. So I, I think it's, again, like communication varies based on the client as it should. Well, that's so helpful. Thank you, Jake. The thought of bringing in materiality at the very beginning, I think, is a great pivot that people can implement right away. I can totally see that as a big shift between feeling and touching something, even if it's not the final pick, versus looking at something just like in a big lineup of product and comparing. You also just save so much time. Like It's like you could be designing bathrooms for months, and then you get to the presentation and the client's like, I don't like veiny marble. I hate marble. I don't want that. So it's like you could just it's it's just being very like flexible with what people's like personal like choices are. Yeah, and just being smart with your time and delivering yeah. a better product for the client. Definitely. So speaking of product, last time we chatted, you hadn't even launched e-com yet on the expert. So fast oh, forward. Wow. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, it's been a while. So I want to talk about the expert showroom. And I'd love if you could break down what its purpose is and what makes it different than First Dibs, Cherish, or any other sort of e-com platform Mm. and why it's really special. So what's really exciting about the Expert Showroom is it's really built on the perspective of not just designers, but homeowners and also artisans and brands. So across the board, it's like we're really here to serve all of these different parties and I think a lot of these smaller brands and artisanal companies that we're giving exposure to is not only good for them, but it's also so amazing for the everyday consumer who hasn't had that level of access. But then we also have our, a designer trade program that really gives 
like the designers like first looks on some of these amazing brands that even they may have not had access to. And it also makes their job really easy. And a huge part of what makes the showroom special and different is we have an entire back of house procurement and specialty support system and customer service that is so in tune and understands the full gamut of like how a full project works from the perspective of a designer and the everyday retail customer. So we have that experience and knowledge through the building of the expert. So it really is this additional kind of hand-holding, like really, it just allows people to make informed decisions and it's more personal. So that to me is what's exciting is it has those touch points that I think some of these other e-commerce brands are almost a little more less curated. There's almost too much out there. And I think what we're trying to do is really like peel back the curtain and give access to all these amazing companies and brands that a lot of people wouldn't have access to, especially when it comes to the textiles where before we started, some of these companies didn't even offer like direct to consumer. Like you couldn't even go and buy any fabric by the yard online. That just wasn't a thing. So we're really trying to evolve the landscape of what that purchase purchasing like experience is for people. And I, it's been really fun. I think people have really enjoyed it to have access to all these incredible companies. Well, since the very first day that I met you, Jake, you have always lived so wholeheartedly on the platform of making design accessible and that great design is and should be available to everyone at any price point and at any accessibility mm. level. And it's just really amazing to see, like, not only do you live that, like, you are putting that out into the world. So I want to hear more about the designer trade program because I think that's amazing. I'll make sure and link the application in the show notes so the designers listening can go ahead and apply because that sounds literally like concierge level service. And that is blowing my mind. Yeah. And it's and and I think that's what people really enjoy. It's like even if you even if a designer already has access to a lot of these things, like it's just an additional layer of service that just makes everyone more efficient. And I'm in the business of making things efficient. Like there is so much layered to all of these purchases, like in this industry, like everything becomes so complicated. And we've really tried to simplify it for the trade as well. And also with those additional benefits that you can find all online under the trade program, <laughs> which we'll, which we'll send over. But I think me, it's always about the balance. It's like a design is accessible for everyone, no matter what the price point is and no matter what the project is. And there's something for everyone, whether it's buying into a beautiful pillow accessory or buying a full bed or a sofa that's custom made through the expert collection. Like there's so many ways that we can reach these audiences and everyone deserves to be kind of served and had those needs met and centralized. Like when you go on first dibs, most people are so overwhelmed. And I love first dibs. It's one of my go-to resources. And I think they're an incredible company, but it's really we're about the both the designer and the homeowner. And shedding a light to these brands. Like I want some I want people to hear some of the incredible companies that we have on the platform that some people would never ever see because what's so difficult with nowadays like there's way less in-person showrooms for people to go see things so it's all about giving people like that designer touch that everything on the website someone on our team has had experience with that product so we know like i can recommend this sofa because i know that when you get it it's actually comfortable like right. you've got that type of trust 
and like ability to make a purchase online, knowing that someone has really vetted it before. And that's the, that's the whole key. And it's not just your opinion or the expert's opinion. It's the designer's opinions that are on the expert. So you're getting like multiple validations on these products. 100%. So the expert showroom product price point is higher than the average consumer retail store because Mm. it's bespoke, made to order, higher quality, all of the above. Are you seeing that expert clients clients who have booked a session with an expert purchase frequently from the showroom and are non-expert clients shopping the showroom, as in people who haven't even booked with Mm. the expert yet. Do you feel like we're hitting both markets yet or is there like room to make a jump? Definitely. I mean, we have a lot of people who just add to cart where we don't even have, there is no communication with the back, like the procurement or the sales team. And it really is so, that's the most exciting part. As someone who hasn't done an expert or is not necessarily familiar with the original platform Mm -hmm. and how we started is that they're really drawn to the product and what we're selling is what they're drawn to. And that's the key is like, we wanted to build this not on the back of the video consultation and everything else we've done, but as its own ability to, it's this full life cycle. And we've, I think we've tapped into always, of course, we're growing every day and we're expanding all the time, but it's so nice to hear from people who have been buying pieces from the showroom who hadn't had a relationship with the expert before or any of the designers. And they've loved the kind of service that we've provided for them. And I have to say that hearing that from non-expert related like past relationships and seeing how people are really like interacting with the showroom is always like the best learning curve because we really can see with people with blinders on where they don't have any context like is this really a space that people can like go on there be inspired find things and be exposed to things that they may have not seen before and then see that through all the way to execution and have an easy very nice experience that like, again, doesn't add to the stressful situation of designing a house. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so I know it is not Jake Arnold sitting at his laptop approving or waitlisting or denying no. applicants. So don't come at Jake. But are there any tips or tricks that you could provide to those listening for people who are interested in joining the expert of how they can best position themselves when it comes to applying to be a designer on the expert platform? Yeah, so correct. I am not personally involved in any of that. Sure, once upon a time before we like fully started the company, yes. Now I'm not involved in that whatsoever. And our team is so diligent and always looking at different designers from all over the world with all different price points, all different styles. And we're really expanding that more so than we have ever and really letting more people onto the platform because we want to have something for everyone, not only for the consumer and the and the homeowners, but I also want all these designers to have an opportunity to expand and build their businesses. So the tips and the tricks is that there are no tricks and there are no tips other than keep doing incredible work and always send an application and it will always be considered. Like it's a long, arduous process and we have so many applications, which we're so grateful to have. And we continually are going through it. And just because maybe you haven't been on like essentially signed up and set up right now, it doesn't mean that's like forever. I think it's a constant evolution for the expert. So showing your best work and have, by the way, I will tell you, do you know what is the tip? 
because this is the quickest way for people to see what you have to do is the minute you go on your website or your Instagram page, like let that be the best representation of your work because that's your two seconds of showing what you're about. And it will just make, make our, on our end to be able to really see what you have going on and a little bit about what you do. So to clean up those Instagrams and take those dog pictures off. 100% (laughs) progress pics, put them in stories, save them to highlights, but treat your grid like a portfolio. Yeah. This October, we are headed back to the Santa Monica Proper Hotel for Design Camp 2023. Join designers from around the world as we go in-depth in small group breakout sessions and large keynotes covering topics like systems and processes, design presentations, maximizing profitability, marketing that converts, updated software solutions, and so much more. Meet celebrity designers Bria Hamill, Chango and Co., and Caitlin Fleming while we dine al fresco under the stars. Design Camp is loaded with surprises and a lifetime of friendships. Don't miss our final event of the year. Visit www.design-camp.co to secure your spot. Jake, I have to tell you a super embarrassing story. I'm sure you don't even remember, but before you were launching the expert, you sent me an invitation to join the platform. And I was like, this looks amazing, but I don't take design clients. Thank you so much. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I love the work that you do for yourself, but that totally makes sense. Jake, I literally kick myself every day of my life for telling you no I wouldn't do it wait I want to see that because I can't even remember which is even more embarrassing I'm sure it was probably someone sending the email from your email anyway but I was just like dying and I was like oh my gosh this is so amazing I should open a studio tomorrow so I can say yes to this (laughs) no well we will always have you back (laughs) so there you go you can come back any day Oh, well, thank you. I'll email you immediately. So, (laughs) okay. So new, bigger, additional things happening at the expert. You just gave a little teaser on your Instagram and I think we're allowed to talk about it now. You are (laughs) launching (laughs) that the expert is launching a podcast next month in October. This will come out or a month and a half or so. Tell us what we can expect to hear on the show, who we can expect to hear on the show, and if it's more geared toward designers or to clients specifically or Mm. a combination of both. Just tell us everything. So yeah, I'm doing a podcast. And by the way, you make it look so much easier than it is because it is (laughs) not, It's you really do. So it's really a place that we can gather incredible like thought leaders and design enthusiasts across the gamut from editors of mag- publication magazines, entrepreneurs in the home space, designers, potentially some clients, like who knows that we might be interviewing. But I think that there's going to be a really fun mix of people because what I want with the podcast is to expand just obviously like it's design focused and that's the key, but it's also, I want people who aren't necessarily in the design field per se to find something that they can get some incredible insight from both running a design business, designing product, having clients, building a brand, all those things that are across the board. And I think it's just a really fun, enjoyable, lighthearted like opportunity for us to really like shed light to our experts, to the designers, to all the experiences of our clients. And just like across the board, it's going to be a little bit of everything and we'll see what people are loving. And that's what's so great is we've had so much intel 
with all of the clients and customers from the expert and what they really want to hear and what they want to see. And it's a mix, some tips, some tricks from of d- specifically design related, but also like, I think from the business point of view, it's just getting those tips and advice on and really how to like expand and hopefully empower and inspire people to go out and fulfill like their passions and dreams that maybe they haven't. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to listen in because Jake, you have this incredible gift that when you are in conversation with someone, you make them feel like the most important person in the world. And I can hear you hearing me so well that I'm excited to see how that carries over with your friendships with so many people and getting to tune into that. So cannot wait. Thank you so much. It drops in October. Do you have a date yet tentatively? I don't have the exact date in front of me and probably I should, and that's probably not good but I will. (laughs) We'll add it to the show notes as soon as that is up and live so that we can make sure and link to that. But even bigger news, like this show just gets bigger and bigger. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you know that you have a book coming out. (laughs) I believe we're launching this episode the week that the book comes out, which is now September 5th. Just so you know, if you've pre-ordered it, you're getting it like a week earlier than we initially thought, which feels like Christmas came very early. (laughs) I have had the incredible privilege of getting an advanced look at the book, and it was so unique because it truly breaks down your design thought process with every project that's showcased. There's this delightful section at the end of each chapter with an extensive behind-the-scenes look content of each project. What was your thought process behind this unusual or unique approach to Mm. a design coffee table book? Well, I'm so happy that you got to see it, um, which I'm so excited about. And it was just such a fun experience to put the book together. And a huge part of what I believe in is that design is accessible for everyone. And I think that creating a book that's inspiring and something that's beautiful to look at and really kind of just like this perfect little bow of all the projects that I really felt like illustrated all my design philosophy is I wanted to just really showcase the process, because I think it's not just the end result, but really what my thoughts and like, I guess, inspiration was across the board, because I think the context is, is what I think has always been missing in the design in like high design is that people want to know, like, why did you choose this? What was inspiring? What was the architecture and the client like? And they want to know all of this information because it really adds that richness and layering to the projects. And I think that it was just like a fun way to showcase some like some real takeaways and hopefully just give a little more like like clue of how the whole process works for some people who may not have any idea. So it was just it was a hopefully a fun new way to do that. I hope that you have also additional pages, like a bonus edition where it's like all of the emails and spreadsheets and all of the less glamorous behind the scenes. I'm still looking for that too. So if you have that book, I'll buy it. Still disorganized. So a few months ago, I guess it was May when we were last chatting backstage at design camp, you mentioned that you y'all shot and wrote this book in like three or four months. My question is, have you always had a clear idea of what your first book would look like? I think when I when Rosodi asked me to do the book, I think that my first thought that came to mind was like, how do I make this more of a story? And like, how do I showcase not just the projects, but also like 
my journey as a designer and someone who really started from nothing in this industry. And so that was always like my big goal is like just to give a little piece about me, however small that was and my journey and and everything. But then also just like the idea that I wanted this book. And I think maybe subconsciously I thought about this more is I wanted every single project in there to have more meaning than just what you're seeing. Like I wanted there to be this almost like it, every single chapter is really almost like a benchmark and like a, and a way of thinking about design that's maybe not linear. And so I think that there is chapters that really break down how I've grown as an individual and a designer and how that's reflected and presented in that project. So it's, it's already like a twofold, like, I guess like I'm losing my words of what I'm trying to say, which is it's not just about how it looks. Like don't judge a book by its cover. Like there's so much more to it than pretty pictures. And I hope that there's takeaway for people both on a personal level and that can be inspiring, but also visually too. Well, congratulations on Rizzoli because like that's just Thank the you pinnacle. Thank so Question, did they just approach you? Did you already have a book agent? What was that process like? Because it feels like there are a lot of books coming out from our favorite designers Mm. and those who are like looking up to that and that being like a big grand supreme Oprah-sized goal Mm. someday. Like what is the step to get on that path towards getting a book deal? I think like, I think my tips and tricks across the board. I really believe this, no matter what you're doing, no matter whether it's a book, whether you're doing a product line or a collaboration is I just always have my head down and work my absolute hardest, no matter what, without that as the goal. Like I think now having looked back, some of these goals, we all have these goals and it's always a dream, but I think the shortcut to anything is just doing whatever you're doing as best as you can. And then on a practical level, I, I, um, with CAA agent as my agent. And really it was actually interesting because as I started working with them, Rizzoli had actually come to me directly, but then I had an amazing book agent at CAA who really helped build out the book deal and really expand on all the potential. So I think my advice is whether or not you speak directly to a publisher or you work with an agent beforehand, an agent and having someone on your side to really guide you through the process because I have no idea what what's entailing a book and we're still it's so fun because now all of like the marketing side of things and the event book events and the signings and all of that stuff like that had to be thought about months ago and that was that was not even anything on my radar so working with a book agent to really get you the best book deal and to really shop out your work is I think it's it's really good to work with an agent if that's your starting point because I think that it allows them to take your work, create a proposal, build something out, and then shop it around to different publishers. Because if it's not Rizzoli, there's a, there's so many other incredible book publishers, and it's about finding your fit. and And I think that putting the proposal together and sending it out is probably the best route. I think for for getting a book together. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's super helpful. So in the book, Redefining Comfort, there are so many never-before-seen projects along with new photos of projects maybe you you have teased on Instagram. I feel like your book is a little bit of a unicorn, like everything else you do, that 
because we've heard from other guests that they're never allowed to share a to be published project. How did you, how did this kind of work around happen for you as they approached you and you had projects that you were able to shoot in three, four months? How did that negotiation work out? I mean, honestly, the universe was on my side because John and Chrissy's house that we had in the book before AD came out, the timing was perfect. Like Mm -hmm. the book came out just as this has happened. So it was really aligned. Had that not happened, it probably would have been very difficult to do it. But we did kind of work backwards. I think no, like as soon as we knew about Architectural Digest and the cover, like like obviously publishing is always the number one thing that you want to focus on because it's it's just a completely different built-in audience essentially but I think in the book like I really have made sure anything that we did that was published or I've shared on Instagram is that we didn't share every single angle or different details in the room because it's always nice to like save some of those things. And it wasn't even intentional that when we did some of these shoots, we save things for the book. It's that you can't share everything. Sometimes on a publication, there's only six images and you've got an entire house of vignettes and close-ups and full room, different angle shots. And so honestly, going through all of the projects and being able to pick some of my favorite images that we couldn't use when publishing, like some of my favorite images are some of the close-ups and the vignettes where you really get the texture and it's more tactile that way. So yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's always important for, for designers to really pay attention when you are doing a shoot that who knows what you could do in the future, whether it's a book or a furniture line or expanding on your website to just make sure that you get as much content always because you never know when you're going to use it and you'll save so much money and time doing that. So very specific question, when you're working with a photographer who charges a day rate plus Mm. a per image Mm. fee, Mm. you would recommend like going ahead, making the investment to get that per image fee? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Because I think ultimately when you have all of these images, one day you are going to use them for social, for a magazine for a nut for a different magazine for a different publication who has a different spin whether you're doing a book no matter what it is I always and, and by the way do you know what else I also think it's so useful for is if you're using a custom piece of furniture for another project it's like your great opportunity to show it in situ like there's all these other angles I think about when shooting a project where it's not just this the end result but it's also like the details maybe like when you're building your team and you're building out a list of standards for new employees, it's like, here's the, the detail that we do in upholstery and you can see it in these three projects because you have the good images. So it's really good to look at it all holistically that it's, it, there's so much value in, in capturing all the details in a space when you finish the project. That's so brilliant. I've never thought about how much value you can have from an image just on an internal standpoint. Mm, totally. What are you most proud of with the upcoming release of Redefining Comfort? I think what I'm proudest about is right at the beginning in the intro, when I kind of give a little background of like where I'm from and how I started, is I think what I'm proud about is that I have this tangible book that I can look at that just reminds me of all of the years of hard work, sweat and tears and stress and worry. And like, there's actually something there, like it's all worth something. And I think that to have that in my hands and when I first got hold of the book, 
it was just like this really nice tap on the shoulder of like, you can chill for a second. Like you have done all of this work and it's all in this book to remind you of what's happened over the years. And that's what I'm proud of that. Like everything that I really have done has, has been, has had, has had meaning and it has like, it lives somewhere now. Like now I can like leave that book and it's in it. And it's a really nice reminder. I think that's why I'm, that's why I'm most excited about the book. We had a little bit of chat before we hit record today, just talking about the level of busy that you are. (laughs) And with so many things launching, like with so much stuff coming out, finding this point in your life where it's honestly something I'm working on with my therapist, getting to a place of content, getting to a place of I have done enough and that I want to keep doing this really, really well. And it's not always necessarily about yes to every single thing. Can you talk us through where your headspace is at and what decisions you're making to make all of this possible? Mm. I mean, I think it's a very apt question because I'm going through it like in real time and what I'm learning while I'm peeling back the onion and like doing the work with therapy and all the things is like a a figuring out like what is that reason why you keep pushing like we all push push and i think it's there's always something else you could be doing always like we we live in a world and a culture especially here in the us cuz i didn't grow up here so i did not have this mentality growing up it's not typical where normally i grew up and it's like you work hard but you like really go on vacations and you really take time off and you really don't have to work all the time. And so for me right now, I'm going through it. I'm figuring out, okay, what gives me joy? That's what I want to focus on. What's taking away energy? And those are the things that I have you got to edit. And it's in it, Rome, like I said, was not built in a day. You have to really take a step back and think about where you're putting your energy because everything is an opportunity cost. And Leanne Ford, and I've said this so many times, and it's the best advice, is she said to me that you have to say no to the good to get the great. Like you have Mm -hmm. to be able to, in the face of an amazing opportunity that you think is so good. Like I'll give you an example, like I, like a potential client that is a amazing project. It seems so good. All like, it could be amazing. But for me right now, like my health, mentally and physically has to come priority. And I have to make those decisions of, I can either lose this project by saying I can't start for three months because I'm I'm going through so much or I do it and then I'm overwhelmed and everything is miserable. So it's, it's really picking and choosing your battles. And I'm, and honestly, I'm learning right now. And it's, it's, it's fun and exciting because I'm like, oh, like, now I can really make some changes because it's not sustainable. Like even everything I've done and that I'm doing right now, like that's not sustainable. And I know that. And I am content with every single thing that I've done. But I think as creatives, we always want to do more and be curious and get different challenges. But there are some months or maybe a year that maybe you're a little quiet and you take a step back. I haven't done that yet. And like, I'm excited to see what that's that's like, but it's, it's a work in progress. Well, I have a couple of design ethos questions that we can leave everyone feeling 
incredibly inspired as they get back to their projects. One signature element I have studied in your work is an unexpected furniture flow. You do not seem to subscribe to traditional floor plans, particularly in living and entertaining Mm. spaces. Can you tell us why you stay away from the standard two sofas and a coffee table in between (sighs) and call it a day? I cause myself so much stress with this because like that's what I spend so much time on is creating layouts that really speak to both entertainment and personal time. Like I love living spaces that are made for families, but also when you have a huge party. So creating that like dynamic is really important and the layout is key. And I think that it's all about creating internal furniture. I call it like furniture architecture where it like creates a flow and a use of a space that maybe is more limiting for a more traditional layout. Can you talk to us about specific things that you incorporate to have that kind of flexibility? For instance, it's multiple seating areas or Mm. maybe it's smaller coffee tables or anything tangible like that. Yeah, sure. I think it's definitely like multiple coffee tables, different sizes. Day beds are the best way, I think, of splitting a room and also like curved furniture pieces, specifically sofas or chairs that just allow you to have that more organic feel and really staying away from very boxy, squared off angular pieces is pretty much in all our projects. We really don't do a lot of angular anything because it is so limiting with the layout. But yeah, to me, it's the layout is key to do something interesting. And then if it's not, and you're doing a more classic traditional layout is then it's all about the fabrics. And then it's always about bringing something in that has that unexpected detail or upholstery piping or something that just gives it something where you're like, oh, like that's feels comfortable to me and is livable and timeless, but it's giving an additional kind of personality in the detailing versus these big moments where you don't honestly, like sometimes you'll get sick of it. So you want to do less, I think, with those types of bold choices. When you're working with a space that isn't large enough to subdivide, what would be something that a listener at home could implement to give that loungy, vibey, Jake Arnold feel? I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, if you're in a living room, don't do matching pair of chairs, like do Mm -hmm. two different chairs with slightly different silhouettes and shapes. And then maybe do a coffee table that's like a cluster or two so that, so that you're avoiding all your furniture just being like one block volume, but it has this movement and flow that I think you can do it through this mismatch side tables, the lamps, the chairs, make your coffee tables a little more organic. And I think you'll get the same, I think, feeling that like a multi like seating living room would have. That's amazing. Thank you. A goal you shared with us many times is to prove that great design is accessible to everyone. And when we look at your projects for the likes of Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, Mm. what are three elements we can take away on a not just smaller scale, but on a more modest price point? What should we be focusing our dollars and energy on? I think rugs are the, to me so important. And I know that rugs are so expensive and they can be like one of the biggest purchases that you make, but there are so many incredible rugs that are out there and available. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's why I love doing these collaborations because I want to be able to make some of these more expensive unaccessible pieces 
just a lot more affordable and attainable. So I think a rug is like the is number one thing. And then I think lighting, like really investing in great floor lamps and pendants and sconces. And I think a way that you can add a really custom feel to a space that's not as expensive as people think is adding sconces on a wall. Like to me, like you could buy a pair of sconces for a couple hundred dollars and maybe you spend the rest of the money on the labor. But like that makes such a difference, I think, in a space. And if you're in a rental, you can do sconces that are obviously plug-ins. But I think if you can do the electrical work that you can honestly find someone so inexpensive electrician to do that, it's it's this perfect way that just adds that like height to a space and it's a little more layered. And I think also that's where you can add your vintage as well as easily. For sure. If you're wondering, you can buy Jake's rugs at Lulu in Georgia and he has some great lighting options at his crate and barrel line as well. God, I'm ready flogging, flogging a lot today. (laughs) Okay, Jake, as we wrap things up, I want to ask a more personal question. As your career has skyrocketed after a decade of grinding and hustling, I'm not cutting that short. There was so much hustle before you really became a household name. But you're now arguably one of America's most acclaimed designers. And with your global covers, I mean, we're way past the United States now. So what does success look like to you as you head to the future? Well, firstly, thank you, because... I feel like still Jake from the middle of nowhere in England. So like, thank you. But think, well, I read this the other day. It was this, it was this meme where it said success is when you have a calm nervous system. And I really am feeling that way. So for the short term, near future, I'm in a nurturing, taking care of myself, editing place that's, I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor and just be in a place that I can really build a new dream and expand on new horizons, but just take a minute to enjoy everything. Like that to me is like success is really taking intentional time to take a step back because otherwise you're just nonstop. And then all of a sudden, what was the point? I didn't enjoy it. So that's where I'm at today. But ask me in a few months, I don't know. I will circle back around next season when we have you undoubtedly on the show again. Well, Jake, this was incredible. Talking to you always leaves me so refreshed and inspired and weirdly focused at the same time. Thank you for always being so warm and welcoming and open with everything that all of our listeners want to hear. I cannot wait to get my hands on your book. It is linked in the show notes. You can purchase your copy now coming out on September 5th. And we can't wait to tune in to the expert podcast in October. Well, thank you for having me as always. It's such a treat. I love speaking to you. It also gives me energy to remember not to be so hard on myself. So I really appreciate it. And thank you for always being such a supporter and a cheerleader. And it's it means so much to me. Well, I'm sure I will talk to you soon. I'm going to start sending you daily affirmation texts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what I need. Uh, thank you so much, Jake. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Jake Arnold is not only paving the way for designers to come, he is transforming the industry as we speak. From developing a direct-to-market e-commerce platform to making top designers more accessible to the public and creating a safe space for interior designers to gain direct access to the studios they most look up to, the world is our oyster. You can learn more about the expert trade program in the show notes to begin accessing their concierge-level service and industry discounts. 
If you haven't already, order Jake's new book, Redefining Comfort, today as it is released on Tuesday, September 5th. You can order your copy from the show notes below or anywhere books are sold. Thank you for tuning into these conversations and bringing us to our third season. Your support makes this passion project so worth it. Please remember to leave a review for this entirely free resource on Apple Podcasts and rate us on Spotify. If you're on YouTube, you can catch every episode there too. Until next week, I'm Anastasia Casey. Thank you for being a part of the Interior Collective, a podcast for the business of beautiful living.